0: Hello and welcome to the Spectator Books podcast. I'm Sam Leith, the literary editor of The Spectator, and this week I'm very pleased to be joined by Lisa Hilton, a.k.a. L.S. Hilton, the third instalment of whose Maestra Domina Ultima trilogy is out right now. Lisa is well-known as a scholarly historian, but this trilogy is something different, written under the name L.S. Hilton, and these are her... They've been described as erotic thrillers, though they're, they're sort of...
1: Uh, well, I don't know. In, in, in my house, they're referred to as the dirty books.
0: The dirty books. Hello, Sam. It's very yeah. nice to
1: be here. Your daughter calls them the dirty books? My, my daughter my friends refer to them as, as the dirty book, or sometimes the filthy book. Although I really don't think there's anything filthy about them.
0: No, well, they are... I mean, there's much touted about these, these sort of erotic thrillers, that they're dirty, they're filthy, but there's no, more no, about art not. history in um, this book than there is about... Indeed, that I mean they're, they're
1: really about they're really about art history and they're thrillers. I mean they're about a sort of good, entertaining story that I'd hope people might enjoy reading on the beach. Mm-hmm. But when the first one, Maestra, came out, it was compared to a book that begins with a number and everyone thought the two things were quite similar. Seven pillars um, of
0: wisdom. That that yeah. would
1: be it. Yeah, seven f- habits of extremely sexy people, that one. And then of course I got hundreds, literally hundreds, of very angry letters from people who were E.L. James fans saying, this book is an insult to E.L. James. Because, of course, they thought it was going to be about a you know 19-year-old virgin and a billionaire, and it wasn't.
0: (laughs) So disappointed audience. Terribly disappointing for everybody. How did you get started writing these? Because it's Um, it's a change of gear from what you normally do.
1: It is a change of gear.
0: Well, I'd written actually three novels, one which I think you gave a
1: very nice review to and said that the cover was horrible but the contents weren't bad years ago and a couple of historical novels as well as my serious historical biographies and then when the book that begins with the number came out my then agent said oh will you have a go at writing something erotic so I did and she said it was disgusting so I stopped and then I had this novel that I'd begun years and years ago when I very briefly worked for a couple of months in an auction house after I did my history of art degree and I started writing this absolutely awful novel it was a sort of Bridget Jones Goes to Sotheby's, it was a terrible pseudo-chicklet. It's not Sotheby's in
0: the book, is it? It's the It's the not, house.
1: it's the house. But I came across this novel and I thought, oh, there is quite a good story about a forged painting in this. So I got the disgusting erotic novel and the terrible chicklet novel and put them together and then found I'd made something which I quite liked. Which, sort of everyone, car, which everyone which everyone hates a cut and shut job exactly, except that nobody wanted it. my agent wouldn't have a look at it, my regular publisher wouldn't buy it, nobody wanted anything to do with it for years. At one point, I begged my history publisher to take it for no money. So can, I actually could not give this book away. People disliked it so much, which sort of made me feel a bit protective towards it
0: and obviously you, you now have succeeded in giving it away. I mean, it's sold a lot. It's it's been a it's sold quite it's been well. Been we've we've shifted the a the few world, yeah.
1: units, and it's going to be on, on so the telly. So what all changed? All that. Who liked it? Christopher Macklowe and Mark Smith, who published Steve Larson, they were fans, and they they sort of made it happen. Except now I'm going back to being an historian again, which I'm I'm quite
0: excited about, really. You've described the book as revenge fiction. No, I haven't. Have you not? <laughs> no. Well, you're quoted as yes, you having right, no, described the book as revenge no. fiction see
1: I think it's funny, I mean, I don't know whether you thought it was funny, did it make you yes it did. good i mean i I think it's quite good fun no it's not any way about revenge in fact the heroine says quite early on that she doesn't see the point of it it's a waste of time she's quite sociopathic and revenge is not a typical sociopath's trait it's not really a logical thing to do so they they tend not to bother with it no i think it's it's more pleasure i suppose pleasure and perception that i was interested in writing about
0: the heroine herself Judith Rashley, although she's got three identities... She has many, many A's, yes. beginning of part three. How are we to take her? I mean, how do you feel towards her? Because she's a character who, on the one hand, you know, she's... There's a hint that she's had a rather tough childhood and a traumatic childhood and, you know, sort of feeling sorry for her in such respects. But then she's also... At one point, she commits a murder and then goes sliding down a banister just for the fun of it, not to escape, but just because Ooh. she sees a banister and thinks, "Oh, we let's slide down a banister. Well,
1: I think perhaps if one had committed a murder, one might experience an adrenaline high, which might lead one to slide down a banister, were the one convenient. So I don't think that's an implausible detail. What I was interested in doing throughout the books was investigating what women can and can't do on the page. I find it a paradox for example that you can do all sorts of things to women's bodies in crime fiction you can perpetrate the most appalling violence upon them and yet people still find it shocking to see a woman who enjoys her own body. This I find extraordinary. Equally it's perfectly possible for women to transgress so long as two literary rules are observed one they must have been traumatised and two they must be punished if one thinks of anyone from Madame Bovary to Elizabeth the same two rules apply so I was interested in playing with that convention the extent to which Judith the sociopathic murderess is or is not traumatised and the extent to which she is or is not punished and the story I think takes place really between those questions
0: There is a point at which she seems to be getting a bit gooey though I, don't, I haven't, I'm afraid, mm. read the first two novels, so I don't
1: know whether that's... Well, yes, yes. She does seem to be getting a bit gooey, but it doesn't last, does it? No, not quite. And well, one could not say that, here, that she but... gives way to her emotions. No, she
0: doesn't, but she definitely feels them. This was a sort of surprise. You know, she's a character who's, who, were she possibly a male character, you'd be, you know, this sort of very hard-edged, sociopathic, mm. sort of yes. Hannibal Lecter-y quality she has. You know, you wouldn't expect him to go, oh...
1: Mm. No, in but, fiction and no, yet but, she no, sort you, of no, succumbs wouldn't. to that, but on the, that in, in, in the same way that I think when the first book came out my American editors I can't tell you how much I hate my American editors kept kept wanting <laughs> you can. Yeah, I, I really loathe them <laughs> kept wanting me to make her have more feelings you're not telling us how she feels and I thought well no, no one asked James Bond how he feels well
0: that's what I meant no, no one, one asked Jack Reacher how he feels that
1: however that said just because I'd made a woman who was unfeeling didn't mean she wasn't allowed to evolve as a character, as a person, and so it seemed correct to me in terms of the narrative, and also of its conclusion that in the third book she would, at least, make some attempt at emotion.
0: Actually, there's American editors. I think I did speak to somebody. I think it might be your agent who said, "Oh, you know what? The, the second book she had to tone down all the filth because the, well, it, no, it, the very priggish American The, the Americans
1: interest. just took all the good bits of the filth out really and and also most of the jokes they were quite troubled by the jokes I had a really nice thing in the second book a tranny on a moped and the warm wind in my hair and they tried to suggest that I suggest it to transgendered person I said I said Lucy Jordan they looked blank so yeah it seemed much easier just to censor it for the American market which is what has been done.
0: Oh, right, so it, there are different versions in the UK. And the yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you
1: have to read the UK version if you want, the full range of filth.
0: Yes. In doing the filth, is it, in your mind, I mean, is it a sort of... So, you've said it started out with an E.L. James thing that, you know, here's something that sells. Let's, you know, essentially chuck in some filthy bits because ever since the 1980s, we've known that novels by women with filthy bits sell Sally well. Sally Bowman, yes, of um, course and all the rest, you know. Mm. um, Or was it necessary for the character? I mean, how much is it just um, giving a reader a one-handed copybrain? I
1: wanted to write about sex in a way which seemed to me fresh and modern and honest. I mean, as you and I are having this conversation, there are millions of women all around the world sending videos of themselves masturbating to perfect strangers on Tinder, on WhatsApp, on Snapchat. This is happening as we speak. It seems to me that the
0: literary <laughs> well, uh,
1: perhaps at the same time, yeah, but um, and it seems that perhaps that the literary world hasn't really kept pace with this reality, so I was writing about a young woman who is part of the Tinder generation, and I wrote the sex scenes in the language that I thought she would use, which seemed to me entirely straightforward and, and not in, in the least bit shocking or salacious. they are necessary to, to the movement of the plot, if you like, both in terms of the people she encounters during the pursuit of her activities and also moving the, the story on. What, However I discuss this, it sounds sort of really Benny Hill, doesn't it? <laughs> but I think, perhaps since you've been kind enough to read the book, you might agree that what the books are really about is, is pictures, and they're about art.
0: Yes, well, there's an awful lot in the book about how you fake a go go.
1: yes in the third book it's a lot about that and in number two the featured artist is Caravaggio and in the first one Artemisia Gentileschi and I suppose that's what I was really wanting to do was to write a thriller that was also perhaps a bit intelligent perhaps had something to say about pictures and their their role in our culture how we feel about them how they're treated you're pretty
0: savage about the people who buy and sell them
1: Yes I am, Mm. I am quite savage I I think I'm quite savage about the reasons why, I think the idea of the commodification of beauty particularly in in the contemporary art world, the idea of these temperature controlled warehouses full of unseen masterpieces that wait there, glimmering in the blackness, is something I find quite upsetting they're they're bought as investment chips like matchsticks or, or butter, I find that upsetting personally, but I also think it's interesting. The art market is the last great unregulated legal market. It has very, very few rules, and therefore it's open to a great deal of corruption, and of course the art market is also where money and desire form a nexus with our changing ideas of what beauty consists in, so I think it's a really interesting place imaginatively.
0: I think in terms of Judith's character, I mean, she's someone who, obviously, as you say, she's a bit of a sociopath. Her feelings toward you know, she's perfectly capable of bumping people off without mm. a second thought. And, I and yet, she has a of imagination. She she's, she bumps people off with great improvisational skills. Mm. But she responds to art in a much more sensitive way than she does yes, to human beings. I mean, she's
1: that's her only real access to the feelings that most people have. She feels about art the way that I think perhaps we feel about children or our loved ones it's the only way she has of actually feeling anything at all and so it develops in her a whole kind of moral system based around what's good and what's bad depending on what your attitude towards pictures is. So for example the forger, Lee, the Chinese forger who's a sort of indentured slave in the mafia warehouse in Calabria, she's very fond of yes, so she thinks the he's got, human relationship with yes, the book. <coughs> she thinks right. he's got the right point of view about pictures, whereas people who don't have the right point of view about pictures tend to come to quite unpleasant ends. Do you think it's
0: possible I mean just the, outside the world of books for somebody as emotionally stunted as your heroine you know, do you think there could be a person who would respond to art in a sort of fully human way but not respond to the world in a human way or do you think the two are connected
1: I think I'm just trying to think of a literary example. The one that comes to mind is Grenouille in Patrick Suskin's perfume. Who is I think a similar I mean I, I hadn't thought of it before before now, but and then I suppose more obviously one could think about Tom Ripley. Although I, I've always thought of him as an opportunist rather than an aesthete, I was never quite convinced by Tom's interest in anything but slightly dubious antiques. Yes, 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 like
0: you always on a murderer for a fancy <laughs> prose <probably. laughs> stuff.
1: I think. I think it is possible, yes, and I think actually. While Judith is not someone who makes art, I think there are quite a lot of people who make art, quite a lot of artists or musicians or even perhaps very brilliant scientists who are not necessarily emotionally all that well-equipped. Do you feel fond of Judith? Tremendously. I'm really quite fond of her. I've talked about her a lot. I mean, the book's come out in 42 countries, so she's taken me on a lot of Adventures and I feel quite grateful to her. I got to shake hands with Meryl Streep because I made Judith up, so I think that's really cool. Yeah, See, she, you've gone silent, what? you're so impressed. I was, thinking, I, was, I was trying to imagine
0: Meryl as Judith, but I don't think that's going to happen.
1: <laughs> Judith's mum, she'd be ever so good as Judith's mum because Judith, yeah. you can always rely on Meryl for an accent, and I think she'd get really into playing, you know, the alcoholic scenes. I think she'd be great. Um, I don't know if she's
0: ever done a scouser, has she?
1: I'm sure she could. Meryl can do anything. So in that sense, I'm I'm very fond of her, but I'm also quite excited about writing another history book, a proper history so book. So is this
0: goodbye to Judith?
1: Yes, yes, I She's think done. so. Well, when I wrote the first one, I, I knew where I wanted it to end, and that's the story I've written, so I think that is the end of her, yes. I want to do it, perhaps a new history book now instead.
0: In terms of sort of predecessors, where, I mean, you've mentioned... You know, Patricia Highsmith this is seems very obvious kind of referent. Are there other books you looked to or thought of or um, that you read when you were, well, you know... Some some people have been books.
1: kind enough to say Becky Sharp, but actually the ones I really thought about were the bonkbusters Busters I adored when I was a teenage girl. Shirley Conran's Lace which must show up how very old I am. I'm not Jackie Collins, actually. I was never a Jackie Collins fan. But yeah, Lace was a book that marked a generation. It
0: was, that
1: goldfish. I don't think the goldfish had consented either. No one had asked the goldfish's consent. (laughs) Um, And I think it's disgraceful. But yeah, that that combination of glamour, of escapism, of pleasure and a, a sense of being excited about the world was what I wanted to convey in the books. Particularly with the first one I had an idea of people reading it on their way to work on a sort of grey English day and for a while being in this altogether more sparkling universe. At least that was what I was trying to do.
0: Lots of sort of champagne and...
1: Champagne in the Mediterranean and big boats and fantastic clothes and all the things that apparently make one frivolous. To which I say, you know, for people who don't understand the use of fashion in the novel, I refer you to Philip Roth and the character of Claudia and the Chanel jacket. I think if Philip Roth's allowed to use clothes as signifiers, we can all do it and it's
0: okay. Do you feel you get judged differently from Philip Roth?
1: Well, oddly enough, I do. I I can't think why. No, I think there are certain aspects of the book which people tend to jump on without really thinking it through, and the youths of fashion is one of them. I mean, Judith is of a generation which completely unselfconsciously talks about curating my brand, or what they mean is putting pictures of themselves in a bikini on Instagram. The idea of the reified capitalist self has reached, I think, its zenith. In that respect, people think of themselves you didn't use as You did the
0: reified capitalist self once in this book.
1: I probably tried, and the Americans probably cut it. But I think a character who sees herself in terms of the things she has, the brands she wears, that she covets, that she collects and which she passes through, is entirely legitimate and also realistic.
0: I have to ask then, what's the serious history book you're writing next?
1: Well, I think it's going to be about Vanbrugh, Vanbrugh as the architect of the Whig ascendancy which is not actually all that different to the Dirty Book, really. I mean, it's, it's about someone with a tendency for, you know,
0: ba- ba- bad
1: language, sexual double entendre and so, you know, social climbing. So it's basically the same book, yeah.
0: Brilliant. i look forward to it. Lisa thank you very much. Thank you. That was a joy, Sam.